Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This November, annual Sherlock's VIP sign-ups receive a free Coco and Eve super nourishing coconut and fig hair mask worth £34.90. Purchase VIP as a gift or sign up yourself for just £5 a month or £50 for the year and join the most exclusive VIP scheme in London. From restaurant openings and discounts at bars and hotels to beauty and wellness offers, Sherlock's partners with London's best venues, suppliers and brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. Visit sherlocksvip.com to find out more. Spotting a gap in the market for design-led stationery, she persuaded her then-boyfriend, now husband, to sell his house for funding and set about creating the brand we know and love as Kiki K. With over 100 stores globally, stocked in another 250 and sold online to stationery and design lovers in over 147 countries worldwide, Christina Carlson, international business owner, entrepreneur and now author, welcome to your Sherlock's success story. Thank you so much and thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you. So Christina, you grew up in Sweden, but you founded Kiki K in Australia. Yes. Tell us about your early years and how you ended up being on the other side of the world from where you're from. So I grew up on a farm in Sweden, never really traveled because farming is 24-7. So I always wanted to travel and after school. So that's what I did. And then I worked in a ski resort in Austria. And that's where I met my partner, Paul, who I'm actually not married to yet. We haven't had time to do that. What? You haven't had time? <laughs> it's been a busy few years. Creating You're listening, Kiki Paul. <laughs> We're actually engaged, so it's not really... His, that's the best, his... <laughs> I think, isn't it? Everyone says, just get engaged, don't get married. The fun stops after engagement. <laughs> one day, one day. But yes, yeah, so I met him in a ski resort in Austria. I decided to follow him to Australia, you know, for a year or so. I was 22. I didn't take life way too seriously and really liked him and loved Australia and decided to stay and that's how I kind of ended up in Australia. And what job did you do when you got to Australia? I know that you had this epiphany and you decided yeah. to run your own business but I presumably that didn't happen on day one in Australia. No, what, certainly didn't. what were you doing before that moment? So when I came to Australia I was on a working holiday visa so it wasn't so easy to get a job and also I didn't have any education or any degree so I worked as a waitress and I had a few different jobs, promotional jobs etc and then one of my passions was travel because that's what I didn't have. So the last few years after studying, I traveled so much and I loved that. So I thought one of my things I'm going to consider doing is work in the travel industry because I love travel. So I knocked on someone's door travel agent and said uh, I don't have any education in this and you need to have a specific course to be able to book travel so I said I'm working for free until you think I'm worth paying for and if 
you know, you can see how it goes. And after three weeks, he started paying me and then I became a travel agent. And as much as I love that, because, you know, English was my second language. I had no idea about anything really in life. And I loved it, but I realized quickly that I love traveling, but not booking other people's travels. So, uh, <laughs> <Save on. laughs> so I then started my search again and I went back to my 3M list, which was a list that I wrote when I was kind of really whinging and complaining a lot and asking my partner, Paul, you know, a few times a night, what am I going to do with my life? You mentioned this 3am list. Yeah. Is this something you used to do every day? Were you an insomniac? Why were you writing lists at 3am? So at 3am one night, I woke up, I think for the fifth time. And this wasn't a common thing, but it was not uncommon in terms of I did that a few times because I was really restless. And this is before internet. It's hard for some of the younger listeners to believe that life existed before internet. But, you know, I spent all my money on phone bills and, you know, wanted to go back and see my parents and my friends. And so I was really unsettled in, in that time because it was a big deal to move from the other world, you know, especially Australia, so far away from mm. normal life, mm. what I was used to. So I woke up Paul, I think, for the fifth time that night at 3am and saying, what am I going to do with my life? And I think he was sick of hearing it. So he actually turned on the light. Write it down, woman. I want yeah. to go to sleep. Tell me in the morning. So at 3am, I wrote down that I wanted to drive to work every single day and loving it. It was really important to me that I was doing something that I was really excited about driving to work for. And I wanted to have a business on my own but I didn't know what that meant I wanted to have a connection with Sweden that was important my little brother was sick at the time and I had to go home a couple of times urgently and I thought if this ever happens again I want to have the freedom to stay if I needed to so that was one of the reasons and then I wanted to work with Swedish design because that was one of my passions and then I wanted to make $500 a week and the $500 was based on paying rent food going home to Sweden once a year and all my high expensive phone bills so you need to make about $26,000 a year. And that was it. So that was a big dream back then. And the hardest one to achieve, may I add. Yes, I'm there. sure. So you wrote this list. Yep. And what happened next? In between there, I did do some searching. So that was the trouble, which I just talked about earlier. But the thing that got me into Kiki K was that I looked at my list and I thought, if I'm going to have my own business one day, I have to have a beautiful home office. Being interested in interior and design, I, you know, love stationery. And this is before no one ever really did design stationery. This was when everything was price-driven and badly designed in my point of view. And what year are we in now? As we opened our first store, 2001. So, you know, this is close to 20 years ago now. Okay, so there was just nothing around. So then I was like, oh, this is so boring and this is, you know... So you were like, priorities, I've got to go and get some beautiful stationery yeah. if I'm going to come up with my own business. So off you went. Yeah, and- I went. And this is when all the like designer stationery was either in, a, in department stores or news agents or, you know, the big box boring stationery stores, pure. And uh, it was just not fun and nothing I wanted to put in my home office. So then I got excited thinking, I know what I'm going to do. So I rushed home to Paul and I said, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to open beautiful Swedish design stores around the world specializing in stationery. And he thought I was mad. Of course, he asked me some questions. He said, do you understand what that means? You're going to have to design. You're going to have to, you know, find manufacturers. You're going to have to sign leases, you know, global tax system. Like, do you understand? And I probably didn't understand. I mean, ignorance is bliss. Absolutely. And what you don't know, you don't know. But it's been an amazing journey and absolutely loved it. Lots of ups and downs as, you know, um, as every business. I've never seen a business that have that smooth curve. It's always lots of, uh, you know, little side. Yeah, 
So he gave you a bit of a talking to, a bit of a reality check, and you decided to go ahead anyway. Yeah. Did he at that point say, right, I'm going to back you and we're going to do this together? And what was his career Well, he was, he was really supportive. I didn't have any money and he was working full time and I was working as a waitress at that time. So I didn't have much money. So I asked him if I could borrow $3,000 which I did, and I created my own little collection and had it made. And then I started to sell and, you know, sell into design stores and sell directly to people and started my own website. And then I had this vision the whole time about a retail store or global retail stores, but I needed to get one up to start with. <laughs> and I didn't have any money. So banks didn't even want to know. I could hardly get a credit card. So it was a really, I guess, frustrating time because I really wanted to just open a store. So in the end, I convinced Paul to sell his house to open the first store. Wow. Yeah. So then he got involved. <laughs> then he was like, right. This- it's better work now. I've sold my house. And yeah, yeah. So he was really amazing in terms of helping. I mean, this is really a co-created business. It's just that he doesn't do all the podcasts, but he is very much part of, you know, there's no way I would be where I am today without his support. And did you write a business plan? Did you do much research? It sounds like, you know, it all fell into place quite easily. <laughs> no but, such a thing as an easy plan. <laughs> no, but how did you prepare for, you know, what's come? You know, I spent a lot of time trying to work out the business plan side and it was so frustrating. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not a detailed executor. You know, I had the vision and I did actually a course for business planning and I thought it was such a waste of time because I just didn't learn anything that I could apply. So I found other people who can help me and pause one of those people who could help me put together a business plan so if there's any advice out there for anybody entrepreneurs it's um, to do what you are really good at and let other people do what they're good at and hopefully that work all together and did you go to other people for advice I mean judging by the fact you were a waitress and you were pretty young it sounds like you didn't have a network of people to go to. No. How did you get advice from other people who'd been there and done it or did you not? Yeah, I did. I mean, I had no network because obviously coming to a new country. But, you know, in some way that was actually really good because no one really put me in a pigeonhole in terms of, you know, what I could or couldn't do. So I went to see a million speakers. I went to see speakers talking about raising capital or starting their own business and personal development to keep me motivated. I read a ton of books and then I asked people for coffees I had a lot of coffees in the early days yeah. still do because I'm still learning and I always find people who are inspiring in their field and learning from them and that's how I kind of learned I remember reading starting an internet business for dummies and yeah. I still remember some of the points in that book do you remember any of the books <laughs> that you read Yes, I do. A lot of the stuff that actually really got me motivated was the personal development books, not just specifically business books, because I felt like I needed some inspiration to really believe in myself and be productive. And that was really an interest. And obviously that's become really apparent now in the Kiki K product because we do so many things to mm. help people develop. But the one business book that I loved and still recommend to everyone is Amy by Michael Gerber. And it's really basically about systemizing your business so when you start your business you have every single role and then eventually as you're growing you need to start thinking about what can you give out and you know doing job descriptions for each role even if you had your name in every single box you know and then for me that was you know the financial side was really not so interesting to me and not something that I wanted to learn you know, I did the bookkeeping to start with, but I just thought this is so boring and not my strength. And so that was the first kind of hire that I did to have a bookkeeper. That's the first thing you delegated. Yeah. And did you find it easy to adopt a really sort of strict work ethic? 
mean, you mentioned how hard it is yeah. you know, to create a business. If you knew how hard it was, you might not have done it. You have to work so hard. Did that come easily to you because you believed in what you were doing? I think if you love what you do, I don't think it feels like hard work. I mean, it, it does in some way because it's long hours and there's a lot of things you have to do that you might not enjoy. But at the end of the day, if your business is your passion, I really believe that that makes all the difference because there are days where you might not feel like getting up and there might be days where it's very challenging and might be days where you have to deal with all things that you don't really want to deal with you know financial crisis or cash flow issues staff issues whatever it is so for me that was like the product is something I'm extremely passionate about and something that I think have got me through all the hard yards and you know on Saturday nights I couldn't think of anything better than bring a bottle of wine to one of my stores redoing the merchandise and you know (laughs) if you didn't love that you know that you wouldn't do it so I think if you love it then it's much easier. Let's talk about your vision with the aesthetic of the brand. It feels very Swedish. So obviously you were launching it in Australia. Was that something that you were really passionate about? 100%. Always been. I mean, in the early days, I really only had Swedish designers working on the design. But if for now, it's more about having that aesthetics to understand what Swedish design really is about. And it's something I've always had and always will have because that's what our brand is all about. How did the branding come about? Was that something you could visualize or is it something that you got designers to do for you? So the logo was designed over a bottle of red with my friend who is a graphic designer, uh, Phil Hayes. I mean, when you start your business, I didn't even know what it was going to be called. So I wanted a Kiki K because my nickname was Kiki and K was for my last name, Carlson. And I loved all the Ks. It was always been something that's been, I love beautifully graphic Ks. And um, I did it on a serviette one night when we had dinner and being him said to me, why don't we put it on you know, on the computer? I said, well, it was like 1 a.m. in the morning or something. And I said, maybe not. We'll do it another time. And we did. And it's never been changed since. <laughs> and what were the first pieces that you designed? What did you launch with? So we launched about storage boxes because, you know, I was all about home office. So I wanted stuff to put into beautiful boxes so it can be all organized. Oh, folders. loving beautiful storage yeah. boxes. <laughs> and folders. And also we did some notebooks. And I have this passion for greeting cards. We did a range of that as well well and pens and things like that and what were the things that sold the quickest and you thought okay wow there's serious demand here storage boxes was really what people came to start with but then as we have evolved as a business we now do things that are helping people to live their best lives so now it's a lot more about doing goals books and dreaming journals and you know workshops on how to be more organized or be more mindful or maybe change habits etc so it's really now about four pillars which is dreaming doing enjoying and sharing and all the products are designed around that and do you think you always wanted to create more than the stationary brand? You know, you've created it. It's a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. It's a way to think and, as you say, enjoy and live. And is that something that's just happened because you felt the need for it? You no, know, we're starting with the organizing in terms of, you know, there was the home office. People wanted to be organized and have everything in its place. And then as I evolved, I um, started to read a lot of personal development books. And then I started to redesign the covers for those. Like, you know, The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin was the first book that we designed on the Kiki K cover so I loved her book so much and uh, cover was nice but was not really in line with the Kiki K aesthetic so I just asked her can we do a Kiki K version of your book and then 
we started to do that, you know, with people like Ariana Huffington, and we've done lots of books. And so what's the purpose of that, of redesigning the covers? I wanted to share that book with our Kiki K customers. and so we you sell those books, yeah. but in a way that, you know, if you right. buy into the world, you want to put them on your coffee table yeah. and you want them as a kind of accessory around your house. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think for us, with the books it's always a mix and match you know like if I bought her book and put it into our collection it wouldn't suit our look at the time so then it would be at the bottom and then we would never sell them so yeah. I felt like if we did the beautiful design that was part of our you know that collection then people can buy not just a book but they can go buy a journal and a pen so it was like a whole you know collection that worked together. So let's just go back to the launch of the business yeah how did you launch it what was your point to sell you didn't have a store the day you launched Launched, presumably no so how were you selling your products those storage boxes those greeting cards where were people buying them I asked my friends to almost do like a party plan way of selling so asking my friends to invite 10 of their friends and I set up in their living room you know we got some cheese and wine oh, and, and summer's parties yeah stationery exactly. exactly and I did about 40 of those so it looked from the outside it was like a party plan thing but for me that was really research first to see what was working and what was working and if the whole concept were working because yeah, it's easy clever, yeah it? it was easy for me to ask my friends would you buy this notebook for ten dollars or whatever and people always said yes I felt like it was almost too good to be true yeah. so and that's one saying you'll do it and actually and doing it parting with your money is it's, quite another isn't it absolutely and that's As, a great tip for someone listening who's yeah what a product Start your own and summer parties yeah. with your products. And- yeah, but even now, like you can do things online as well with mm. social media and stuff. Mm. It's so much easier compared to when I started um, because, mm. you know, even to build a website was so expensive back then. It was just starting then. So you did your Tupperware parties, whatever yeah. you want to call them. You did yeah. about 40 of those mm-hmm. and the feedback was good, was yeah. it? Mm-hmm. People wanted to buy these yes. products. And so what did you do next? Uh, so the there? next one was to build a website. So this was when, you know, the website e-commerce was just really starting to happen. So mm. that was a bit of a challenge. So we're in year, what, 2000 and... Oh, well, about 2001. That's early, yeah. isn't it? Or 2000 even. It was early. And I mean, it's so easy to set up a website today. But back then, they were really good at the back end or really good at the front end. Mm. And it was not really any combination. And those people who did both were really expensive. So I remember I went to a firm asking if they could build something beautiful, but also really good technically and they said yes of course we can and but it was forty thousand dollars and I didn't have that so I then uh, got a friend me and Paul we did it together built our first website which we actually won an award for out of 800 website which is crazy at the time Uh, really funny that I had no idea about anything but we won this award about our website but then I also sold into design stores around the country yeah and that was really great as well because then people started to see us in the right places and I went to see all the editors and, you know, we got into a lot of magazines and then we started winning awards. You know, I was young, I was female. It was a lot of interest in a new category that no one really believed in. So it was a lot of good things happening at once there. So wholesale was a really key part of your launch period, yeah. was it? Yeah. And also I was trying to work out the whole time how I was going to open the first store because when you're selling to wholesale, you're part of someone else's visual. And I never felt that was right. It was really good to start with, but eventually I wanted to have our own stores. And that's in the end was to sell Paul's house to open the first store. So he sold the house, you bought a store. And where was that? That was in Melbourne Central, so in the city of Melbourne in Australia. And that was the most exciting day 
when I opened the door in the morning, we had worked all night to make sure it was perfect, you know, and it's a bit of a perfectionist. There's no such a thing as perfect. So you keep going, keep going. And then it was time to open the doors. And it was so exciting because the first woman who came in, she spent $200 and it was like such a nice relief because wow. obviously we had to pay the rent and yeah. it was such an exciting day. And how much was location key for you? I mean, you obviously chose Melbourne over Sydney. Is that because you yeah. lived in, in Melbourne. Melbourne? Yeah. And as far as your actual physical location in Melbourne itself, did it take you a long time? Was there a street you wanted to be on because you knew it had the right amount of footfall? Or what did you prioritize in terms of finding the right store? So there was places where I wanted to be and I did a lot of research where we should be, but I just couldn't afford those rents. So in the end, we decided to go to almost like the worst location you could possibly do, but it was a rent that was a sublease from someone else. So we could get out of it. And I think we thought if we can make it here, we can make it anywhere. <laughs> so it wasn't great location. It was up in, on level three. It was like a really dying shopping center you know there was a department store from japan it's closing it wasn't great but we got so much interest because it was a new exciting concept we won an award for the most innovative store in melbourne so there was a lot of good things happening that dragged people to us we got a lot of press because of that and we were also really passionate about customer service so we won a few customer service awards so we kind of made it happen and then of course you know all the great shopping centers around the country came to see us and we just didn't have another house to sell. So that was a bit of a challenge. But you say you're on the third floor of a shopping centre. How did you get people up to the third floor? Was it the press coverage that yeah. drove them there? Yeah. And was that your main marketing focus in the early days? I went to see every editor of every magazine. And I did it in a different way in terms of I just wanted to show them and ask them what they thought. And because of that, they loved it. Because what, me. you weren't pushy and asking them to write about it? Yeah, I didn't ask for it. I just showed them. And if they loved it, they did. And, you know, it was something unique and different at the time. So we got a lot of coverage for that and obviously winning an award as well. And then we won the website award. That was a national award that we that made us go on television, etc. So because we had no money, we had to do really different ways of getting people into the door. You mentioned quite a lot of awards in those early days. Anyone who's entered awards knows that they're quite time consuming to enter. Is that something you thought, right, we can do this. It's not going to cost us anything other than our time. Yeah. And this is going to be good for the brand. Yeah, absolutely. How did you come up with that as a priority awards? Actually, the first award was the website award. And that one was my idea because I just felt like, why not? I thought it was a pretty good website. But Paul said to me, are you crazy? It's not even finished. And we didn't win that one. So that was the first award. But then I got nominated for the Telstra Women's Business Award. It was a national award in Australia. And I won the Young Businesswoman of the Year. And then, you know, those awards are time consuming and annoying in so many ways because you have to, you know, expose yourself and you have to really put in it was always like you know last minute you know all night up trying to get the entry in on time but we won quite a few awards and it's been really really helpful for us ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And today, is it still something you focus on? No. Now I'm spending time to inspire people to dream. I feel like that is my mission in life now. Yeah. You mentioned that you, as a woman running a business in a new category, were getting quite a lot of attention in those early days. Is that something you sort of milked? And do you think that's key for women starting businesses now to really put themselves out there and to use themselves as collateral? You know what? I don't know if that is the right way of doing things, but that was the only way for us because we didn't have any money. I had to do whatever I could to get the brand out there. You know, when you start a business and all of a sudden, you know, you might win an award because you started something that was a bit different. All of a sudden you have to be good at, you know, public speaking. And, you know, I got invited to talk about marketing and I had no idea about marketing and all those kind of things. That was kind of very scary. And I really had to put myself out there. But on the other hand, that's where the growth is. And that was what made it really exciting. And there was always, you know, a challenge to overcome. And and I love that. But I I don't know if that's a tip for everyone. I think everyone has to find what is right for them. But when you have no money, you just have to be creative on yeah. what you can do and cannot do. Quite. You said that you didn't have any money, you didn't have another house to sell to open store number two. So what is the store story and how did you find the funds to roll out? Did you raise money? I did eventually, but the first three stores we opened on our own and we basically went to see our shop fitter and asked them if we could pay him off. So for example, the shop fitter are really expensive and that is the most expensive thing that you have yeah. to do setting up a store. And that was something that we couldn't do. So I asked them if we could potentially build it first and then us taking a year to pay it off. I see. Yeah. Okay. And we did. So we did another two of those. And where were the next two? Uh, so there was one in a really good shopping center in Chadston Shopping Center in Melbourne where everyone wants to be. So that was really exciting because a lot of people said that I would never get in there. So it was a real thrill to get in there. <laughs> and then the third one was in Sydney. And that was in a new Westfield Center that was really up and coming but wasn't built so it was a really big gamble to know if that was going to be as good as they were saying and we got a good deal in there and it paid off and also had a lot of coffees with people in retail to kind of learn the retail game and one of them said hey you don't open one in Sydney now you're gonna have to travel you know the expense of going to another city and I kept thinking you know if I'm gonna open in my favorite cities around the world London Paris New York if I can't open Sydney then I've got a problem absolutely (laughs) so it was great (laughs) and you still have all three of those stores today we have relocated the melbourne central store so we're now in a really good position or better position you're I should not say. on the third floor of a the crappy th- shopping gra- center anymore <laughs> on the ground floor now and then shadston where i think we have opened in three different locations and we have a really the most beautiful kiki k store there um it's a big store and it's beautiful i love it and then the sydney one we have a new one that we just opened new a few months ago that says really relocated a couple of times as well and you say it's a beautiful store what do you think the secret is of a good store I mean no one needs me to say how dire the retail climate is right now Mm. but you know here you are with over 100 stores across the world Mm. and you know a very successful story to tell why stores and what have you done with your stores that you think has led to being where you are today and flourishing in this climate that we're in we have 
obviously expanded online. So we, we are doing stores, but we're not doing as many stores as we used to do. We are online to 147 countries, so we really are focusing on, on their online business. But we still like to open stores. You know, being a shopper yourself, you know, there's nothing like going into stores. So we like to continue that, but it might not be as many stores. And uh, we're also now working with partners. For example, in the US, we still haven't opened. You know, I'm still wearing my I Love New York t-shirt to our board meetings <laughs> because it hasn't happened yet. But And I'm not giving up on that. But we have gone into the US with a partner, for example. So we're in the Nordstrom store in the US so there's different ways of doing things Mm. of course and we now you know since we opened here in London we have gone into with so many other partners like Selfridges and Harrods and etc so there is different ways of doing things than not just open you know loads and loads of stores and in the actual physical stores that you have that aren't concessions or boutiques or whatever you call them what have you done in them that you think is clever and worked in your favor I think first our customers they love coming into us first because it's really you know, color coordinated, organized, you know, a lot of people actually come in from a busy office and a busy job and come in and just wanted to be mindful because yeah. I think a lot of our products yeah. are helping them to remember what is important in life. So we have a lot of products that can help people yeah. live a better life. And then the aesthetic. So we color coordinate and we make it nice. So I think it's a really calm, beautiful place to come. But then I also think that our team is a world-class team in terms of giving people service and, you know, really not just about selling but actually really helping yeah Yeah. absolutely and I always get so much beautiful feedback from our stores and I love that because I love to be that place where people can come in and get some tips and motivation and so many people use our products are going through a really tough time it could be you know having lost someone or going through a health issue or depression or whatever it is and I hear stories almost daily on what a difference we are making and that is a beautiful thing incredible and why did you not follow a purely digital strategy what percentage of your business is digital it would be close to 20 percent 20 versus the stores yeah to answer your questions there wasn't really an option to start with when i started because online was just starting you didn't really know and from the first few years we were basically only focusing on our country Australia to start with and now we're global and now we reach 147 countries it blows my mind every time I see that report because you know we are not promoting ourselves in all these countries and you know having a store like in Covent Garden where you know we have so many obviously people from London but also people from around the world are really helped that so I think it's a beautiful combination to have online and physical stores and that's something we like to continue doing it doesn't mean we have to have you know a million stores but we you know you can have a few keys here and there outside of australia which country came first so we did australia new zealand singapore hong kong and the uk and which country was the hardest outside of australia uk why do you say (laughs) other than a very big distance big distance that was definitely a challenge and also it's a new tax systems it's new employment laws i mean it's like opening a new business all the time but that's what makes it all very exciting i mean i could not believe when we opened in the uk we had lines outside and we had fans here already and it was the most exciting day so a challenge doesn't equal negativity (laughs) i think a lot of entrepreneurs would say to them true success looks like a global presence 
Is that something you always wanted and what advice do you give to people? You know, that's hard. It's one thing doing it in your own country. It's quite another to do it elsewhere and it it can often be the downfall of a business, right? Absolutely. What did you do right? Well, you know, we are not perfect in any way. You know, there's always challenges in every country all the time. If you get a property wrong, that could go really bad. So it's really hard to advise because if you're retail, you know, it's really tough to go global because you have to actually open a new business in each country. So it depends on if you have the dream and the aspirations and the drive to do a global retail, do it. But it's difficult, absolutely difficult. So doing it online, I think it's really exciting and that's so much easier. And what have been the biggest challenges for Kiki K in the last 18 years, nearly 20 years? There's been a lot of challenges and there still are a lot of challenges. And I think every business have challenges and that's what makes you grow and change and evolve. And I think for me personally, my first challenge was that I had no idea about anything. <laughs> but that was also exciting because I've learned so much and I did things a little bit different to, you know, when you knew everything. So that's a positive. There's always a positive and negative yes, in everything. Yes. And cash for us, for sure, because retail is expensive. So cash challenges. So having gone through a few rounds of capital raising, has been both a challenge but a thrill as well and the fundraising process Mm -hmm. how have you found that it's not my expertise so we got people who are really good at that my partner Paul good you know we have a CEO now and we also have a board that is really good at that so I am definitely not an expert in that but I think the most challenging with capital raising is that you are trying to run a business normally and then you have to take your eyes off that to raise capital and I think that is most challenging for especially small Such businesses. Distraction, yeah. isn't it? So time consuming. Yeah. You obviously have a big team now. Mm-hmm. How many people outside of the retail staff, how many people work in the in office? The, in the office. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Maybe 100, a little bit over 100 sometimes. I think at Christmas, we'll be over 1,000 people globally, including retail. Incredible. Yeah. And without much career experience before you started the business, how have you learned to manage people and what advice do you have for other people? Because it's the hard hardest thing right yeah it's the hardest thing so I had a dream being a a dreamer to not have any direct reports early I had that because I realized quickly that being a creative person and a visionary and someone who are better at creating products and managing people I thought I don't want to spend time on that so I had this dream and a lot of my friends who are in business said that's never going to happen and I kept thinking about it so I think maybe 10 years ago I haven't had any direct reports more than my personal assistant but for me that is the only way because I just couldn't do that. And how have you found being in business with your partner? So it was a question I'm interested to hear the answer to. I work really, really well with Paul. I love working with him. We have different strengths. I was just saying to someone earlier today that I think we never had an argument. We often have disagreements, as we should, having different views on things. But we never had an argument more than maybe once when he uh, bought expensive apples because we were so tight to start with. So I made a soup, a bunch of soup every Sunday. And that was our lunch and dinner for the week because we couldn't afford anything else. And then uh, he went and splurged on some really expensive apples. <laughs> I think. Well, that... if that's as bad as it got, then I'd say that's one big yeah, success no, we, story. We work really well together. But I think the most challenging thing working with your partner is not the work stuff. It's actually bringing work home Mm. so always being at work I think that is the most challenging for working with your partner so you have Mm. to create some rules so so we have a rule that we never talk work on Sundays because that's my day where I just want to not thinking about the work and of course I do think about work but I don't really want to get
getting to, you know, Big talking about it. Yeah. So I write it down and you I write it discuss down, it. Yeah. And we have course. lots of catch ups, very formal catch ups in terms of rather than always. An agenda. Going. This is what we need to discuss. I suppose it to just always getting in the way of everything. Yeah. And how do you remain inspired? I mean, we're going to talk in a minute a bit about your book and your incredible journals. You know, for people listening, they are so worth looking at and and getting hold of it's very clever what you've created with them i mean they're places to write down your inspirations and your goals and i mean how are you inspired to create those and come up with such a sort of different spin on a notebook where do you keep finding new inspiration from I think the inspiration for me is a natural thing. I always come up with new ideas, probably too many ideas, which is a challenge in its own way. But I have evolved as a person since I started a business, obviously started with all organizing tools, etc. And then I became really interested in working on myself and, you know, trying to be better. I always strive to learn more and live my best life. And then I always felt the need and the love of sharing that. If I read a really good book, you know, like the Gretchen Rubin's book or Ariana Huffington's book, I was like, oh, our customers would love that book. So why not share that? And then, you know, putting our spin to it and then do collaborations with such amazing people around the world. So it's about being authentic to you and being in tune with your customer in that way. Yeah, I think something that I'm really passionate about, that's what I'm sharing. So I've always been a sharer naturally uh, in whatever it is, Mm. but I felt like that I could do that through the stores. And now we do workshops on how to be more mindful or, you know, obviously setting dreams. It's part of the book. And it's just been something that I have evolved as a person over the years and sharing with our, our customers. So tell us a bit about the product lineup now and what it looks like. Because it's very different from when you started. Yeah. What is it that people are buying in their droves? What are the products that people you're most anonymous with now? Well, I think the inspiration range is something that was really helpful for people. So the journals are, you know, mindfulness and we do workshops around them as well because not everyone can do it on their own or need some support. And we recently started as part of my new book, Your Dream Life Starts Here. We've done a three series dream workshop and that almost becomes like a support group. So you come to this group and you don't know anyone and you're sharing your dreams and then all of a sudden you feel accountable to that group because you are sharing things that you want them to make happen and then the group are supporting you and maybe they can help you as well. So it's become a really beautiful thing in terms of really yeah. helping people to live their best life. Powerful. Tell us about your book, Your Dream Life Starts Here. It's so clever because it's not just a book with a load of theory and it's basically a workbook, right? Yeah. Where did that idea come from and what's the reaction been? And for people listening, tell us a bit about how it works. Yep. So it came about, we set ourselves a big dream at Kiki K to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams and then go and chase them. And the reason for that was I do a lot of talks around the world and I meet so many people who do not love their life or are not living their dream life and feel a bit stuck. And every time I speak, they always say, you know, which book should I buy or which journal? And we didn't really have one book that had all my tools in it. So we had a lot of different, we always had 101 Dreams, which is my favorite product of all products, because I think everything starts with dreaming. So I felt like doing one book with all my tools and tricks on how I have created my dream life 
was a natural thing to do. So we have written that book. And as part of that is to uh, really ask yourself a few questions. So what would you do if you couldn't fail, if you had all the money? I love that with, question. Yeah. What would you do if you couldn't fail? Yeah. It really starts you thinking, Absolutely. It? And I do this kind of exercise for the business as well, because we are so restricted by, you know, budgets and cash flow or people or resources and knowledge or whatever it is. And or just wanting to protect ourselves from failure, I absolutely. think, as well. Oh, for sure. So there's five questions. What would you do if you couldn't fail, if you had all the money you needed, the energy you needed, the resources and the knowledge, and no one told you you couldn't fail, what would you do? That often gets us into another way of looking at yourself and what you potentially could do, because it's often things that we love to do, but are a feel a bit maybe it's out of our comfort zone, or maybe we don't know enough about it, or maybe something that we just aspire to do, but it's a big gap where we potentially think we could be. So really dreaming is, is such a beautiful tool because we can all do it. You can do it old, young, it's free and you can be well, unwell and anyone can do it. And it really triggers sometimes things from the childhood, but also some dreams that we might not have considered because we are influenced by schools, parents, peers, friends, you know, even, you know, someone who studies for a long time, all of a sudden get into a job and they can't get out of it because they're supporting their family. So dreaming is a beautiful thing because you don't actually have to make them happen. But then we obviously want people to choose a few dreams and then make them happen. So we are focusing on three because I think that's really achievable. And once you start, you just want to do more. So in our book, we have room for 101 dreams and um, 101 people to meet. And it's amazing when you start putting names to people you want to meet and really starting to think about if I could have anything in life, what would you do? And I also encourage people to really think about that life is short, regardless if we get to live a long time. And my dream is to live to 120. Oh, wow. Uh, and if we can do that, I mean, I don't know if that's possible for my age, but that's my dream. But even if we get to live to 120, that's short. And why not make our time on earth as full as you want to? It doesn't mean that you have to do a global business. It doesn't mean you have to do big things. Sometimes it's about stepping back as well mm. to actually spend more time with your family. And just taking a moment to think about what it is that's going to make you fulfilled and make your time hit on this planet yeah. count. And as Absolutely. you say, it's different things from different people. Yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know, I do an exercise in the book where it's confronting one because I encourage people to think about if they were to die in three years' time, what would they do differently today? And that often connects us away from our head, which is often where we think from, to our heart. And uh, when I did that, which I do frequently, it often has to do with spending more time with family or, you know, bringing a child to one of my trips or whatever it is that often changed the way that I think all of us are guilty of, you know, just running so fast that we sometimes don't take the time to, to mm. dream. And what's the response been to the book? Amazing. You know, my dream is to sell a million copies and that's a big dream. And I never think about the how. I mean, that's something I work on the background. But I, when I set the dream, I don't think about the how. And the reason why I want to sell one million copies is because I came across this amazing woman called Dr. Tara Trent. She's Oprah Winfrey's all-time favorite guest. And Oprah has interviewed 37,000 people. So very special lady. And she was brought up in a very challenging environment in Zimbabwe, you know, married away for a cow, five kids by 18 or something like that. So no education and a really challenging upbringing with abusive husband, etc. So she had a dream to get an education. And to make a very long story short, she achieved all that. So when I came across her, because hers was all about a dream that she had about the education, and now she has started 11 schools in Zimbabwe, and I want to give her a million dollars. So we are giving a US dollar per book sold to her foundation, and wow. we started, we have now sold 20,000 books, so we're on our way to the million. <laughs> 
Amazing. Wow. Get buying people if you're listening. And when I first met you, it was at an event and you came with Paul and also your two beautiful children. Mm. How, A, have you balanced building this global business? And also, how do you encourage them to have their dream life? I'm interested as the mother of two young, impressionable children. How are you encouraging them to dream big? I'll tell you a really funny story. I encourage them to dream all the time. I bring them on my trips as much as I can. They've been to a lot of my talks, so they hear it all the time. And they're very much part of the Kiki K culture. So they've always been part of meetings. You know, they've been, as the kids, they were sitting on the floor in the board meetings. So I've always included them. And I think Axel was like five. He asked how much and on products works. Like he's just <laughs> really been interested and a little bit of an entrepreneur himself. And, and Tiffany has so many amazing questions. But they are vision board makers and they are really, you know, have dreams on their own. And they are public speakers already. Axel asked me probably a year ago saying, you know, who's introducing you at this event? And I said, well, I don't, it's our event. It's just, I'm just going to go up and talk. And said, should I introduce you? I said, yeah, why not? So he did. Amazing. And, um, he's so, some so, blogger, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember meeting him and he, I said, what are you going to do while your mum talks? He's like, I've got loads of blogs to edit. I was like, what? <laughs> I know. It's, a, it's amazing. So he is a real dreamer. So he uh, loves traveling. So he always asks if he can come to my trips. And I often bring him. But there was one day last year when I was going to Philippines for four days and he said to me, me oh I'm so excited about the Philippines I can feel it coming on and I said hey you're not coming because you need to be at school at some stage this year and luckily with the school that we go to they're very flexible but I felt like they need to be at school a few days just a few yeah so I then said no and he just kept saying oh mom you're telling the world to dream so I'm just going to keep dreaming you know dreams starts with you just thinking outside the square I said hey it doesn't apply to my kids you guys need to listen and just do what I say (laughs) anyway when I was almost finishing the book I did the exercise for the one more time just to make sure that it all made sense for the people who were going to do all the work in my book and the um, chapter on life is short came up so I did the exercise if I were to die in three years time what would I do differently today and this was an hour flight between Melbourne and Sydney huh. and I did the exercise and I thought what came up it was like if I was to die in three years time I would actually bring Axel to, to the Philippines so I landed and I called him and he said mom dreams really do come true oh sweet and we had the best time and you know when the kids um to ask about the balance thing i do make them work like they don't just come and sit on their ipads like they are almost like my little assistants so they would do all the uber ordering the food ordering they have a thing where they have to find five facts from each city even if we've been to london a million times they always have to ask local you know what are the unique things about london so they're learning things all the time they're learning to work for their dreams yeah but it balances a challenge for yeah. all of us regardless if you have your own business I think it's a challenge for everyone and just have to find what is right for you and for me that is to often bring them and finally share some more words of wisdom with listeners who wake up at 3am with ideas what would you say follow your dreams do it I think ask yourself those five questions what would you do if you couldn't fail if you had all the money the time the resources the knowledge and no one told you you couldn't do it what would you actually do start writing and then just keep added to it that's what I would do because eventually there will be something that will really be exciting and something that they can potentially do if that's a business or helping others or just create a new hobby or an old hobby doesn't really matter but life is short so make sure you're living a life that is true to your heart not to anyone else's 
What a good place to end. Christina, thank you so much. What a pleasure talking to you. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed that. Do please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.